bringing the world three days and 50 miles closer to a cure for multiple sclerosis. Whether walker or crew, veteran or new, join us as we share news and memories of an MS Challenge walk. Good morning, Challenge Walkers. You're listening to MS Challenge Talk, the weekly podcast in support of MS Challenge Walk Cape Cod, an event hosted by the Greater New England Chapter of the National MS Society. My name is Ken Gagney, and I am here to find a cure for MS, as are you. So thank you for listening. I have just recently taken one step closer to finding that cure by sending out my solicitation letters. I have been participating in MS Challenge Walk since 2005, and whether I'm walker or crew, I always make it a goal to raise as much money as possible for this worthy cause. My primary way of doing so is sending out postal letters. I write a new letter every year, and I mail it to about 100 friends, family, and co-workers with a self-addressed stamped envelope, and then I just wait for the dough to roll in. I mailed my letters on a Tuesday, and I received my first donation on Wednesday, via my online participant sender. I included the address to my website in my postal letter, and somebody decided that that was the easiest way for them to donate, which is why I include that information. I want to give them as many options as possible. They can use that self-addressed stamped envelope to mail me a check, or they can go to my website and use their credit card. doesn't matter how they do it, as long as I get the money and it goes to the MS Society. But as I mentioned at the Jumpstart Your Fundraising meeting last month, sometimes what's more encouraging to me isn't the value of the check, but the note that's included with it. When I get a check in the mail and I see that my loved ones have included some correspondence, that's usually what I look at first rather than the value of the check. Those notes can be not only encouraging, but also very revealing. Besides the usual, go get them, Ken, there's also the very thoughtful, thank you for doing this walk, or even the more surprising, thank you for walking for my brother, thank you for walking for my cousin. There are so many people out there who are affected by MS, not just the 400,000 people in the United States with an actual diagnosis, but all of the people who are connected to them and are affected by their lives. I never know who I'm going to touch next, and they don't know how they're going to affect me. And sending that letter gives us the opportunity to make that connection. One person I've connected with on the Cape Cod Rail Trail over the years is Johanna Hissing DeFabio. I'm honored to now count her not only as just a fellow walker, but also as a friend, and I had the opportunity to get to know her story a bit better when I interviewed her for this week's MS Challenge Talk. You'll be hearing that interview shortly, but first let's get Danielle Kemp, the event coordinator for the MS Challenge Walk on the phone, and find out a little bit more about the event itself. Hello, Danielle. Hi, Ken. How are you today? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm pretty good, thanks. So what is new with MS Challenge Walk in this, the month of June? Well, as some people don't realize, the MS Challenge Walk Cape Cod is actually a collaboration among seven chapters of the National MS Society. It's Connecticut, Greater New England, um, Long Island, New Jersey Metro, New York City slash Southern New York, Rhode Island, and upstate New York. And what that means is all those staff people help us plan the Challenge Walk, but then also coordinate with their local participants. And their local participants are raising money for their individual chapters through our walk. So we had a regional call today to discuss our progress, where we are. And we have over uh, 20 regional participants so far. Some of you remember the hot pack from last year. They're one of our bigger regional teams. And looking forward to hosting even more people from outside of New England this year. How long has this collaboration been going on? 
Last year was the first official year of the collaboration where money went back to different chapters. In past years, we have had walkers from other states, but this is the first time we've had, uh, well, starting last year was the first time we had other staff helping out and having this official relationship. Now, I know that we have walkers coming to us from as far away as Florida, Colorado. What's different about the 20 that you mentioned? Uh, the difference is that their chapters are helping them out with their fundraising and the money goes back to their individual chapters. So in the past, it had always been that if you were participating in this event, it always went back to Greater New England because we put on the event. Now, because we have the other chapters helping us out um, with some of the event costs and some of the event staffing, the money goes back to where the participant is based. Um, and for our, some of our longer walking participants, like people who've been here all 10 years, they're still grandfathered in with the Greater New England chapter because that's who came to us, but newer walkers. Like there's a whole team this year called New Jersey Invasion. We have a bunch of people coming from Connecticut that have all worked with their chapter staff to attend this event. How did the Greater New England chapter get selected for this honor? Did the other chapters not have their own challenge walks? Correct. There's only about six challenge walks across the country, and ours is actually the biggest. So the other chapters had seen our success and didn't have an event of this type of their own. So it's been a great partnership that they've come on board. To what do you attribute our event being the biggest, other than the obvious attraction of Cape Cod? Um, I think it's close proximity to the cities where people actually can travel out without it being so much of a problem. And I just love our participants. I think they're a great breed of people. It's not every day that you meet somebody who thinks it's normal to get up and walk 50 miles to try to end MS. So I think we have a lot of dedicated people that just enjoyed the challenge. And now that we're spreading out to the other regional states, it's only going to get bigger. Yeah, it's great that we're inviting even more people to become that special breed of walker. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thanks so much for giving us that perspective. I think a lot of people view this event as a New England exclusive. Although there are other challenge walks throughout the country, it's great to know that we're collaborating with our neighbors as well. Speaking of walking, we do have a question on our challenge uh, Facebook page right now from a first-year walker who started her training and is looking for some advice on walking socks and how other people have structured their training. I can answer her as a staffer, but I'd much rather have people answering their, with their own personal experiences. So if people can hop on our Facebook page, first post on the top, and go ahead and comment away, I'd love to help out this walker. That's great because you get the best advice from people who have been there. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I hope that our listeners will give their fellow walkers a, a hand. Well, thanks for pointing that out, and thanks for giving us that inside perspective on Challenge Walk. Of course. Look forward to chatting with you again next week. Oh, you can count on it. All right. Bye. So I'm sitting here today at the MIT campus with the lovely and talented Johanna Hissing DeFabio. Hi, Joe. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Fine, thanks. Thanks for giving me some of your Saturday afternoon. Anytime. Anytime? Anytime. <laughs> I appreciate that. For MS that. Challenge Walk, definitely. Well, good. <laughs> So, you've been doing this walk for a couple of years. For six years. Six years. I've done on six Team Jojoba? Yeah, or Jojoba, however Jojoba. you like to be, however you like to call it, I guess it's pronounced both okay. ways. It's a playoff of my nickname, Joe, so. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's also a healing flower, so the fact that I have MS and this then plays into, you know, healing that and so forth. Great. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So what brought you to the walk in the first place six years ago? So I had been doing the Boston MS walk for since I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed with MS in 2001. And then starting in 2002, I started doing the, the MS walk, which is walks around Boston, walks around um, the Charles River, and is like a three-mile walk. 
and was great. After I'd done that five years, I was like, I'm going to kick this up a notch and really have a challenge. And so a whole team, we decided to do the 50-mile walk. Was it the same team that you had for the Boston Walk? Yeah. So, well, the Boston Walk, I've always had a lot of people do that. So we've had people like 20 people do that before. Not everyone was quite up to raising the $1,500 and training for 50 miles. Sure, but it's a big commitment. It is a big commitment. But the people who didn't actually do the walk or didn't sign up, they were all behind us and helping us with the fundraising and, you know, uh, helping us with our feet when we came back from the 50-mile walk. So, yeah. so what was it like going from a three-mile walk, which you can do in an hour, right. to a three-day, 50-mile commitment? It's a big difference. I think that... And I don't think everyone on the team realized the difference. So, I mean, clearly, I guess it's the twofold of doing doing the walk, so being physically able to do the 50 miles, and then raising $1,500. I think that, you know, for the challenge or for the MS walk, when you only walk three miles, there's not you don't have to raise $1,500. And so, the fact that each and every one of the people who were on the team needed to be able to raise and train, I think different people understood what kind of a commitment that was. It's really interesting that for the Boston Walk, the minimum is low, but you can raise $1,500 if you want to, and there are people that do. Absolutely. But when you're walking 50 miles, you almost feel like you need to kick your fundraising up a notch as well to parallel that walk. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that once you tell people you're walking 50 miles, they're much more willing to give a lot more money. And that's what we found. And you just had to be a little bit more persistent. The first couple of years, we did a couple of fundraising events. Um, it took a lot of effort on our behalf, and we weren't able to quite get the money out of those fundraising events as we would have hoped. The last several years, we've just done a bunch of emailing, also through Facebook, mm -hmm. just being getting a little bit more personal in the letters and the emails that we were sending out. Every time we were in a conversation with someone, we would try to bring it up in order to see where they were at, were they willing to support us, were they able to, were they willing to forward our letter on. I can I think that one of the biggest differences also in the letters is that not just did we get more personal in terms of reaching out to people, but we also got more personal in telling my story about my MS, why we were really doing the walk. Mm -hmm. And some of my really close friends wrote some really, really nice emails about me um, right. in order to, you know, get their friends to understand how important it was to them f to support this cause. Now, were you reluctant to be personal with your story when you first started fundraising? I've always been really open about my MS. I just didn't think really people cared <laughs> to find out or to know what it was for me. And so I think that was more why I didn't I think I always told my story, but not perhaps as emotionally or as um, personally as I did in the in the latter years. And you find that emotional plea resonates with your audience? Yeah, definitely. And I think that, and it's also not asking once, it's asking several times. And I know at the beginning I was really shy about asking a lot of people, just thinking, oh, I'm going to ask the people who are really close to me or, you know, make sure I've talked to the person in the last year. I think that you should just send it to everyone. Everyone is excited to hear from you. I found that more, I was overwhelmed by the response I got from people who were excited to be able to support me and support the MS Foundation or the MS Society. And it was just, and also asking more than once and providing people with updates in terms of all of the different training that you've done and how far you're along in terms of fundraising makes a big difference. Now, if you never give up asking people and reminding them, do you ever 
get discouraged by a lack of response? I haven't. I think when you have the disease, it gets <laughs> it's a little easier to get the get to the money that you want. But I don't ever see it as sort of my. I have to reach fifteen hundred dollars. I have to raise. You know, we're a team, so we want to raise what's you know the goal for the entire team. I don't get. I get over. I get. Um, really excited and I think pleasantly surprised at how how supportive people are. Cool. Yeah. You mentioned wanting to get more personal, but you also mentioned using Facebook and some people consider Facebook to be very impersonal because mm -hmm. it's just a mass medium. You're not connecting one-on-one. -on -one. So how have you used Facebook? So I've used it twofold. There's an app that you can put on your Facebook that I think is great because it automatically updates as you get you know, as your fundraising goals increases and sort of p helps push and make sure that you get into people's news feeds. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really great. I also sent out emails to people in order to help them. And I created an event in order for people to know this is when I'm walking. And this also created some awareness around the fact that, you know, even though that they may not be walking, they can come cheer us on um, throughout the, the walk or even being there at the finish line and cheering us on there. A lot of people don't sufficiently value the emotional support that mm -hmm. an event like this requires. Absolutely. I mean, the MS Society does an amazing job in getting some great teams out there to support us while we're walking. Uh, those are some of my found finest memories of the, the walk, but it does make a big difference when you rec can recognize a face and um, it's someone that, you know, cares about you. What are some of your favorite memories from the walk? So once I found out that you wanted to talk to me about the challenge walk, I reached out to a couple of my my um, walker friends and asked what their memories were. And it was fascinating to me that they were talking about things that I couldn't remember, but when they said it, I remembered it and it was fun. Um, <laughs> so some of the things that my friend Sarah mentioned was uh, the spaghetti that you get at the after the first day, which, you know... You want to eat anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been snacking all along. You've been snacking all anyway. along, for sure. For me, some of the best stories is just meeting all the different people while you're walking. Hmm. Um, you know, I try to reach out to people. It's a, 50 miles is a long time, so you want to figure out how to kill some of that. And reaching out to the people at the walk, finding out why are they walking and hearing their stories hmm. and, um, those are some of my fondest memories. But also when you get, you start hearing the cheering when you're walking towards a rest stop and um, you show up and there's Elvis. Uh, <laughs> and I think that was, that was one of my favorite costumes. You always hear the rest stop before you see it. Right, absolutely. And all the kids who run up and they have stickers and, you know, are super excited about you doing the walk and cheering you mm. on. I mean, a lot of that makes, makes such a difference. You know, or can you writing up and saying, do you need something to suck on? You know, I think that all of those different things and you giving us, making sure that reaching out to us ahead of time and saying, oh, do you want Tootsie Rolls? Do you want Snickers? And making sure that those are cold. I think all of those things make a real big difference. And, cool. and then, of course, the evening events where they have some of the participants and walkers come in and do talk about their story. What's their connection to MS makes a really makes it really personal again and I think that makes for some really great memories cool. and my favorite piece of the entire event are there's two pieces one is Saturday night when we do the beacon of light is that what it's called the, the candlelight ceremony the candlelight ceremony and then obviously the crossing the finish line and doing the last what is it half mile in mm -hmm. Hyannis and those those are 
the best pieces of the walk. Yeah, it's great how they have everybody walk together that last half mile yeah. because you know it doesn't matter if you did all 49 of the previous miles, if you have MS or if you don't, if you're on bicycle or walking. Yeah, you know, we're all on the same team. At yeah, the and I think I mean it's I know that there's some people who feel differently about this. Um, on the last day during the last half mile, you can if you have MS, you can wear a different colored T-shirt, and I always choose to put that on. I think that it's absolutely amazing to see how many people you've been walking with for the last 50 miles who actually live with this disease. Mm. And it's 50 miles is hard for anyone, whether you have MS or not. And knowing that the pe there are people who have this disease and walk those 50 miles is just, it's astounding. It seems like the harder it is for them to walk 50 miles, the less they complain. Yeah, I think that's probably true. That's probably true. They're probably a bit more grateful than some people to just be able to walk at all. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. It's my the fit, Walking those 50 miles is my way to show MS that mm -hmm. I'm winning this fight. Reminds me of Carolyn Rossi, who does 50 miles in her wheelchair. It's amazing. She. It's amazing. She's amazing. Just... I think I see her nearly every single day at some point when I'm walking. And if anything makes you feel like you should not be complaining about anything, it's seeing her doing it and with a smile. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. She's amazing. Uh, did you walk through the hurricane that we had a few years ago? I must have. Oh, I absolutely did. If I, I've done the last six miles. Yeah, or six years. That was intense. I think they had to hold down the tent or something, right? I think probably by the time we'd left the sea camps, it had probably collapsed. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. I walked, because we knew that the weather was going to be a little challenging that day, they opened up the route a little earlier. Mm -hmm. And so we made sure we were really early that, that day. And so actually, we were only rained on a little bit, Good. Um, which was really nice. Rain is probably the worst thing you can have happen during the walk. So how do you prepare for the walk? And especially with the rain, you're more likely to get blisters. How do you make sure that your body is ready for any event like that? Yeah, so I made a really big mistake, and they tell you not to do this. And that is, the first year I did this, I walked with new shoes. Oh, what were you they thinking? Were, I don't know. <laughs> they tell you not to do this, and I knew I wasn't going to do it. I had walked in them maybe two trainings before that, and that's not an... It, they just clearly weren't broken in. Right. And so I had some really bad blisters the first year, and I feel like that's really preempted me that every year I get... I just have feet that are prone to blisters. I do everything. I tape them. I Tape really helps my feet. I put all the kinds of body glide on my feet. Um, I make sure I have the right socks. It's really important that you're not just using sports socks, but there are special walking socks that you can get and that you're using socks that are are really made for this kind of an right. endurance event. Not to plug New Balance too much, but New Balance are the shoes that work for hey, me. Hey, if it works for you, that's great. <laughs> uh, so I think that it's important that you find shoes that are really comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then you just got to walk. Mm -hmm. I think last year what I did that made a really big difference is that now that I work closer to home, um, I have about a 40-minute walk back and forth to work. Or one way, it's 40, 40 minutes. So, about, so two it's about two miles. I did that nearly every single day. So the fact that I had that you know, every single day made a big difference. I think the distance in terms of making sure you can walk 20 miles a day and then 50 miles over three days is it has to do with mental capacity and mm. being mentally strong, much more so than the physically. So if you've done the training and you've even done some longer, so I think the most I've 
maybe the first year I did a couple 13, 14 miles. But after that, I did more 10 miles, and that was probably the mo most I did before hmm. I walked. It's important that you do that a 10 mile, and then you do another longer one right back to back so that your body gets used to something like that. Two days in a row. Two days in a row, yeah. yeah. And but I think that for me it, it becomes a mental game, and it becomes a you know what are you going to do to keep yourself entertained for fifty miles and make sure that you can push through it um, mentally much more so than physically. It's gonna it's gonna hurt. I I don't know what else to say. I, right. I think that nobody can walk fifty miles without having some sort of pain. So taking Tylenol before you get on the on the um, as a preemptive measure as a preemptive measure yeah, it makes makes a difference. Do you listen to music while you walk? Yeah, so we sometimes listen to music. We don't plug our ears because you're not allowed to do that right. on the on the Yeah, because you need to be aware of all the cyclists with exactly. whom you're sharing the rail trail. Exactly. But you so, know, if you have like an external speaker. Yeah, so I do that and yeah. I typically walk with my friend Sarah um, because the other people on my team walk a lot a lot faster. So Sarah and I will sometimes be singing out loud to our favorite country music, which, you know, others, some like and some don't, but mm -hmm. it... Everybody's it's a like, critic. It, yep, it gets us through it, so it's good. You mentioned Tylenol before you get on the route. Is there any other sort of uh, medicinal strategies that you have? Yeah, definitely. So one of the other things that we do is we get, it's not called Icy, it's Icy Hot's new, um, new version. It has like more of a minty um flavor to it or I not, guess not, not flavor. that you're eating it. not that i'm eating it a smell i suppose that would, that would explain a lot but i don't think you are <laughs> no definitely not um and so we always use that before we go to bed and we put that on before we go to bed mm -hmm. um it loosens up the muscles and makes them feel much better the next day and i think the number one thing to do is stretch we stretch before we get on the walk and we stretch after and we don't just stretch for 10 minutes we will stretch for half hour wow and even when we're sitting you know after you get off um the trail you'll be sitting around and trying to enjoy the sun hopefully you get great weather um and during that time we're still stretching and still trying to stretch out those muscles i think that Stretching makes the really makes a really big difference and I always try to go to the medical tent behind the medical tent They have um, buckets of water Epsom with salts, Epsom right? salts yep. and so I always do that um, well, What exactly does Epsom salt do a lot of people don't understand what the effect is that is so my understanding is it takes down the swelling of the feet Okay, um, always a good thing. Yeah, and so I, that's at least the effect that it's had on my feet and I still use that actually I feel like it's been a great thing so if I've had a long day at work standing on my feet I'll go home and it just hmm. relaxes your feet it definitely takes the swelling out it makes the some of the aches and pains go away especially after walking 20 miles your feet probably feel like they're on fire yeah a bucket of cold water not a bad thing no no it's great and there's always someone there to help you out with it and they'll bring you um, snacks and beverages if Whatever you want else to you need. yeah no it's great and, and I continue with that afterwards. And like I said, I have issues with blisters. And one of the things I would say is if you have to pop, uh, there's this part about do you pop blisters, do you not pop blisters. Um, if they're really bad, you should definitely see the medical tent. There's some great staff there and who help out. I always, you know, at this point when you've done blisters for such a long time, I tend to take care of some of those myself, at least now that they're not as big as they were the first year as I did this. I try, if I can not pop them, it actually works out better and they heal pretty quickly. So afterwards, I definitely don't, don't pop them whatsoever. You mentioned 
putting the icy hot on before you go to bed, are there any other sorts of things that you bring for use in the cabin to help you sleep better, wake up better, whatever? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I always bring a pillowcase from home. I just It just brings the smell of home for me, and that, that always makes a big difference. I have some just comfortable clothes to wear after the walk, you know, like sweatpants or pajama pants and things like that. Um, that's, I think... Pillowcase is my number one thing. We also bring towels because the towels tend to be not large. Right. <laughs> and some people bring extra blankets just in case it get colds at night. Right. Um, I have a sleeping bag that folds into like a really small compact ball. And so I typically bring that as well. To serve as a blanket or yeah. extra insulation. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're pretty well equipped for each year's walk. Yeah, well, you would get experience that there are tons of people who are on the walk like continuously give you the best tips and you learn as you go. So yeah. it's it's great to be a part of this event year after year. Yeah, well, we're glad to have had you as a part of the event and thank you for sharing your advice with the future walkers. Thank you, Ken. It was great being here. Thanks very much for your time, Johanna. It was great chatting with you. And now let's take a look at what's coming up in the world of MS Challenge Walk. We have an event calendar located at challengetalk.org slash calendar where you can submit your training and fundraising events. Several people in our community have done so, and here's what we have on our calendar for the first week of June. First is Dining to Donate at the Hilton Garden Inn. This is an event being run by the Blister Buddies from June 1st all the way to September 10th. They invite you to dine at the Great American Grill at the Hilton Garden Inn in Devons, Massachusetts, any evening from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. If you present a voucher that's available for download from our website, 15% of your dinner bill will be donated to the National MS Society. That's a pretty good deal if you're going to get a nice meal anyway and you're in the area of Ayer, Massachusetts. Why not stop at the Great American Grill? I'm a vegetarian, so the word grill often steers me away from certain restaurants, but I'm looking at the American Grill's dinner menu online, and I see a variety of entrees that are particularly appealing. So this place does have something for everybody. Our next two events are the same day, Saturday, June 9th, but they're at opposite ends of the day, so there's no reason you can't attend both. The first is a training walk on the Massachusetts Central Rail Trail. It starts at the Thomas Street parking lot in West Boylston, just off 140, and follows the Quinnipoxit River for three miles. You can walk as much of the trail as you want, and as many times as you want, in the company of your fellow MS Challenge walkers. It's a great opportunity to enjoy this wonderful weather, meet your fellow walkers, and get some training in. And if there isn't anybody you want to talk with, plug in your iPod, listen to this podcast. Later that night at 7 p.m., you can head over to the Elks Lodge in Newburyport to support Team Quill. They are having an evening of food, music, and fun, featuring the music of band Shaky Ground. A $10 donation at the door gets you into the Elks Lodge and gives you the opportunity to participate in a variety of auctions, including four rounds of golf, golf balls, restaurant certificates, a margarita gift basket, a coffee gift basket, and much, much more. There will be plenty of food, snacks, and homemade desserts, all supporting Team Quill's fundraising for MS Challenge Walk. And that's it for this week, but looking ahead on the month of June, it looks like it's going to be a very busy summer with plenty of opportunities to connect with your fellow walkers and support the MS Society. So stay tuned for future episodes for more updates and insights into MS Challenge Walk, more interviews with the heroes and the veterans of the trail, and more events. Thanks very much for listening to MS Challenge Talk. I'm Ken Gagney. I'll speak with you next week.
This has been MS Challenge Talk. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.challengetalk.org.